Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, our topic is the New York State Canal System. And if you've been following our advocacy updates, you know there's some issues going on there. Um, that are really important to the recreational boating community and especially to loopers. So we're going to cover that in depth today with Peter Wiles, who is the current, um, currently on the board of directors of Canal New York, but is a lifelong boater on the canal and a lifelong business owner on the canal as well. And we also have with us, uh, kind of unusual today to have two guests, but we've got Scott <laughs> Croft as well. He's with Boat US. I'm going to let them both fill you in a little bit on their backgrounds and why they're passionate about this issue but before we bring them in, as always, I want to take just a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage those listening and watching to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, Peter and Scott, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, and we appreciate your time, and this has become such an important issue. So, uh, but let's start off. Peter, uh, why don't you go first? Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your experiences with the canal and why you're so passionate about it. Thank you. Um, well, actually, my ex experience and background with the canal goes back to literally when I was a little out of diapers, but in a kitty coop, and my parents would cruise the canal uh, recreationally. Uh, later, our family um, established a number of businesses that depended on the canal. We did uh, dinner cruises out of Syracuse and eventually uh, created uh, an overnight cruise that would go uh, three to seven days across the state uh, and then built up fleet of hire boats that people could rent and eventually a marina on the canal. So my my life and my livelihood has revolved around the, the canal for a long time. And tell us a little bit about your current positions, because I know you're serving on a few different um, boards relative to the canal. Sure. Um, well, specifically, I am a, a founding member of Canal New York, which is a, a marketing and business alliance. Um, and currently, uh, advocacy with this issue has certainly been uh, uh, at the forefront. Uh, I also am a commissioner on the Erie Canalway National Heritage Corridor Commission, which is uh, federally statute uh, created to not control or operate or otherwise be responsible for the operation of the canal, but it works with communities as well as state agencies for the promotion, support, historic in, uh, interpretation, things like that. I, of course, am a member of uh, AGLCA and a 40-plus year member of the Coast Guard Auxiliary, so I've been doing a lot of boating. Yeah, and we're happy to have you because this is obviously an issue near and dear to your heart. Um, Scott Croft with Boat US, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about why this issue matters to you? Sure. Well, we're the nation's largest advocacy services and safety group for recreational boaters. Uh, we have over 700,000 members, 44,000 of them in New York State. Um, advocacy is one of our strong suits in the, in, the, in, the, in the picture of boating. We represent recreational boaters, um, and it's been very uh, important to us. This is, we're looking at this as an access issue and potentially access being taken away. Um, and, and we're very, very concerned that um, the changing nature of the organization, the New York Power Authority and how they're running the canal, that, that will not allow uh, the canal to flourish as a recreational waterway. And then of course, all those other things, tour boats, potential commercial resurgence, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we, why we want that water to flow from end to end. Um, and it's a very important, and I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I'm from upstate New York, born in Buffalo. Uh, now, I still live in New York State. Um, I find as a boater, uh, the canal is the most uh, easygoing uh, trip anybody can make. I know your loopers probably know a lot more than uh, on that than I do. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it like this, but it's point and shoot boating. It's very relaxing for a captain. You don't have to worry about ankle alarms going off in the night or the storms coming in. It's full of rich history. There's lots of things to do. There's events. There's communities you can go check out, museums. I just find it, you know, a really rich boating area. And I'm very concerned that, you know, I you don't hear this in other states, but New York's considering really what I say, minimize recreational boating on the canal. 
Thank you, Scott. And just tell us what your current position is with Vote US. I'm the vice president of public affairs with Vote US. Excellent. So that, you know, we've got obviously two heavy hitters, lots of experience with the canal here, um, which is why I invited both of you. Um, we've mentioned already NIPA. And so I do kind of want to start at the beginning because not all of our listeners really kind of know what's been going on with the canal. But this, the, the, the issues kind of go back a few years. So, Peter, um, NIPA, for those who are unaware, is the New York Power Authority, which seems like a very strange entity to be running the canal system in New York. So, Peter, give us a little bit of background, if you can, on how NIPA came to be responsible for the New York State Canal System. Sure. Uh, and as you suggested, it is very complicated. And I suspect that part of the reason it has gone through the evolution that it has as far as management and operation over the years is because it is a complicated system. It is a, uh, a machine, if you will, going all the way across the state. And it started out in recent history under DOT uh, back in 92. It was transferred to the Thruway Authority. Again, uh, the Thruway Authority, like NIPA, the present management, are not general state agencies. They're kind of a special animal. But it gave the, uh, the Thruway at the time uh, the authority to do a, a number of things. First of all, um, since the tolls were abolished in, I think, 1892, it did allow for the imposition of tolls. It allowed for things like um, land leases, um, a, a number of other things that don't sound like much, but at the time, as the canal was being basically reconsidered from its major role as a transportation route to its recreational role, which is clearly um, more important today. And in order to establish and to, uh, to allow that trans transition, uh, a number of things were changed with the legislation. Um, the Canal Corporation uh, was created, and this was kind of the liaison between DOT and Canal users and were responsible for operating and maintaining the system. Um, Within the Canal Corporation, the Canal Recreation Way Commission was created, and this provided a, a forum for agencies and grassroots that were required, statutorily required, to review and comment on the significant policies, proposals, um, tolls, and a number of other things. So the Thruway um, was the administrator, if you will, of the canal for a number of years. And then in, I think, effective January 1st, 2017, that authority was transferred to the New, uh, to the New York Power Authority. Uh, again, they, the, the structure at the time of that transition was the same as what the structure was under the thruway. But over the years since, as they've become um, more involved and, and their, their influence more visible in the canal, it has led to some of the things that have been a, a concern for boaters. And if nothing else, it just leaves a lot of question about, you know, what's going on and why. Uh, I, I want to be very clear to not understate the benefit, the, the, the hundreds of millions of dollars that uh, NIPA has put in. Um, I think it's some... $90 million a year operating budget, uh, another $50 million in maintenance, and I think they've got a capital program going forward for years of another $40 million. So clearly they are doing uh, a great service for the canal, but as far as their relationship with people and businesses, and for that matter, communities along the canal, it's been a little awkward. Yeah, and, and comment on that if you can, Peter, because that's that's me being outside New York, that's what I tend to hear from the businesses we talk to along the canal, um, is that it's a little bit of a rocky relationship between NIPA and the stakeholders and that, you know, NIPA doesn't necessarily understand boating or the canal. What are your thoughts on that? And, you know, how did that kind of rocky relationship evolve? Well, I wish I could clearly <laughs> answer that uh, because unfortunately, NIPA has not had the interaction with the stakeholders that would allow for a clear answer of that. But I can give you some examples of the things that have been uh, disturbing, frankly. Um, first of all, when 
prior to NIPA's um, man administration, management, responsibility, whatever you want to call it, for the canal, when it was under the throughway, the average season, for instance, was about 189, call it 200-day-long season. Um, prior to what was originally suggested this year, and not counting uh, 2020 when it was curtailed because of COVID, that average season dropped to about 150 days a year. So there was a 25% reduction in the in the length of the season. Now, granted, and as, as NIPA has suggested, there was an awful lot of deferred maintenance that needed to get done. So um, it was difficult to use the same time for boating on the canal as fixing the canal. But what has also occurred is that the cooperation that might be sought uh, as they're doing construction, like clearly they don't construct everywhere on the canal and boater concerns and business concerns may be regionally located. So rather than clearly and, 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 <laughs> and under their own idea, trying to help out businesses and seek out what they could do they tended to be more of a, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and not quite a love it or lump it, but it wasn't quite the warm fuzzy that the relationship has often been in the past with businesses. Uh, as an example, running the hire boats ourselves, the, the season, if it got closed, uh, but there was going to be work in other areas, we would communicate with Canal Corporation staff and uh, determine what areas would be open. We'd let our customers know that there might be a limited range and we could move on. We could uh, work around it. That level of expressed engagement with the businesses doesn't seem to have, it's, it's not happening. Right. And, and I, I am glad that you talked a little bit about NIPA's, um, you know, that they are investing in the canal and that they have been handed this authority and they are putting some money into that. And a lot of blame has been pushed towards them, too. And I, I think some of it comes from that rocky relationship, um, which largely seems to boil down to communication. But, um, Scott, a couple of years ago, 2019, um, you know, Governor Cuomo at this point is taking a lot of hits about the canal as well. Um, so he's also taking some of the blame. Um, and it's kind of that, I think, started with his reimagining the Erie Canal process, which started in 2019. So um, tell us a little bit about that and the recommendations that came out of that process that uh, I think actually came out in early 2020, right before COVID hit. And New York, you know, of course, was ground zero and completely shut down. So the recommendations came out and then fell by the wayside, so to speak, from, from my perspective. Um, but tell us a little bit about that process and what the result was. Sure. Well, you know, anytime government wants to invest in your waterway, I think that's a good thing. Um, and, and, I, and I think at the core of what Reimagine uh, is, is, is looking at the waterway and looking where the state wants to invest in terms of invasive species protection, flood control. Uh, there's irrigation challenges on the western portion. It's very dry. So, you know, I originally was very excited about the reimagine process until I started getting reports from Boat US members who had attended their open sessions across the, across the state. And, and to a T, um, their comments were, how come recreational boating isn't being talked about? How come it's not being depicted in these uh, slide decks and presentations from the reimagine folks? And it sort of got people wondering, was the state committed to you know, letting recreational boat boating flourish in this process, along with those other very good things to look at. I mean, and you know, I think the canal, if the canal can prove its worth in more than one way, the more ways it can do it, whether it's irrigation, or improved commercial navigation, etc., that that bodes well for the canal and all users. But we started to see things that that that, that puzzled us. Um, they had a contest that awarded, um, initially I was very excited, of a cluster development on the canal. You know, this is basically looking at the canal like we do abroad in, in, in the UK or maybe down in Florida where there's residential and, and a boat in front of those homes. You know, that's, that's one way to, to, to adaptive reuse of the canal. And, and, and the challenge was that particular project wasn't even on the navigable portion of the canal. It was 10 miles south. And they were holding it up sort of as a champion, if you will, of this reimagined process. 
And that concerned us because, you know, one of those things is, is, uh, is paddling. Uh, you know, paddling is taken off with much as recreational boating. And, and that's, I have two paddle craft myself in addition to a boat. So <clears throat> I think that's a good thing. But now once you start to cater to just paddlers and not recreational boats, you completely change the dynamic and use of the waterway. You know, it was, it's a five-year plan. Um, I think it was up to 300 million, a considerable amount of money, uh, money for, um, as I said, to preventing ice jams, flooding, um, the mitigation issue work, you know, the fishing opportunities that, you know, by using the canal to release water at a certain time of the year, you can grow economic development through a tourism uh, effort with anglers. Um, but we're dismayed. And, and it really goes back to what, what their actions are and, and, and not so much as what they're saying, because what they're saying is one thing, but then, then their actions are, are, are opposite. Um, you know, Peter mentioned something the, you know, last year, and you just mentioned COVID, it's certainly, you know, has junk, junked up the works for everybody. But, you know, the Canal Corporation had an opportunity to open the season last year in a reasonable time frame, we think. But they said that COVID had affected their operations and maintenance to the point where, where, where winter maintenance was being dragged on. That's understandable, except when you understand the Department of Transportation completed its Erie Canal Trailway Project, which is adjacent to the canal. It's that gravel path in places, wonderful place to, 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 to bike uh, and jog. But, you know, why is the canal not working like the other state agencies? It made us think perhaps um, there's a reason, there's a reason for that. And, and, and I don't know what that reason is. I won't, I won't guess. But to me, uh, it leads to, as I said before, a minimization of boating. And where we are with the reimagine, um, you know, they have money. I believe they've paid a consultant up to 18, 17, 18 million dollars to, to follow through on this. We're, we're eager to work with them, but we're, all, we're really eager to work with them if they allow boating to flourish. And the reimagine uh, summary and report really minimizes boating completely. It talks about all those other things I spoke about. But recreational boating and maritime uses don't take a central role in the future if you read the reimagine report. And that's what worries us. Yeah, and that was certainly concerning for AGLCA as well, um, particularly some of the recommendations that um, talk about mitigating real issues um, like invasive species, um, like some of the flooding that happens seasonally along the canal, um, and dealing with things like barriers in the waterway or lowering the water level um, to levels that you know may or may not still allow through navigation of the canal system. And um, you know, I first became aware of the uh, reimagining process when one of our sponsor marinas, who had a representative on one of the subcommittees, um, invited me to come speak to the subcommittee. Um, and I was very excited about that because I thought it was a really a great opportunity for them to understand the recreational boaters that are using this as a throughway, you know, to get from the Hudson River to the Great Lakes. Um, so I was disappointed when I saw the report come out. Uh, that really, as you said, did kind of minimize uh, actual navigation on the canal in favor of um, paddle sports. And again, not to diminish paddle sports, I have four paddle craft, I think, but, um, <laughs> but you know, there is no great loop without the New York State canals. Um, it's as simple as that. So we were kind of dismayed as well when we saw those results. And again, we were kind of like, okay, well, what's the next step? We saw these came out in January of 2020. Um, and then COVID hit and understandably so nobody in New York cared about the canals right then. <laughs> um, so kind of, you know, fast forward, if you will, um, to this year, uh, you know, COVID thankfully is moving a little bit to the background now. Um, and Scott, you had the foresight a couple of months ago to kind of form an Erie Canal working group to start to share information and talk about these issues. What led you to decide to do that as the 2021 season was ramping up? Well, it was really watching this, you know, uh, you know, NIPA leadership say one thing and do another. And those were having detrimental effects on recreational boaters and everybody else, as I mentioned before. And, you know, um, I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, grassroots groups can be a challenge, um, but I knew that the rec, you know, my lane is recreational boating. I'm a rec boating guy, right? But, but it's not just me. It's my neighbors who run the tour boats. It's, it's the chamber of commerce that you know, that tour boat drops 300 people off on a Saturday afternoon in a town. There's an economic impact there. So I, you know, it's, it's sort of like, look, I looked out across the landscape and I knew we all shared one thing. 
and that's continued operation of the canal as a, as a waterway for recreational tour boats and even commercial because we've seen some commercial activity return a little bit. We all know, you know, the, the funny thing is we all know the canal is not the way it was in 1900 and the things that the business that drove it then is not now, but it's been wonderfully repurposed. And, and I, I looked out and I, Peter was the first guy I called, uh, actually I, years ago, uh, I was on one of those hire boats uh, to experience a canal vacation and it was absolutely wonderful. And as the, as the, as the captain of the boat and, you know, with my family, I felt like relaxed as everybody else because it was so easy, so un unstressful. Um, but those other groups, you know, us together, I think can make a difference. And it's really a communications function. Um, we're not here to, um, you know, uh, elect a board and, and, and develop a slate. Those things are important and we'll talk about those things, but there, it's really, uh, you know, letting people know in other realms of what's going on. And I think the better those folks can communicate and, and, and share information, at least at that level, we can start to sort of, you know, get a, a, some traction in getting the attention of NIPA. And I think, honestly, to, you know, to be, to be fair to them, I don't think they quite recognized there was this group out there of maritime folks. You know, they, they, they certainly know legislators and mayors. They certainly know other, other things. But, you know, the, the, the folks that actually, this is really a customer point of view. These customers, the marinas, the tour boats, you know, if they don't put, you know, heads in the boat and, and get and, and fill, you know, their gas stocks used, that's what these people, you know, that's how they survive. And, and there was no customer service, if you will. And I know that's the challenge when you talk about government, government, but in essence, that's what it is. The users, the folks that I represent, the boaters and, and all the marina operators, uh, you know, we're customers of the canal and we're, our purchases and what we're, how we're using it, it's not healthy. Uh, you know, we need to change that mindset that, that boating is central for now and, and for the future of the canal. So that's how, that's why I thought that the group would be a good idea to get together once a month. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a great thing um, you started. And if I'm recalling correctly, it was right about the time that there were some rumblings, nothing official, but some rumblings that some, a very shortened season had been mentioned by some NIPA representatives on some conference calls. And, you know, what I have been trying to get out to loopers about that, um, you know, my fear was that, well, loopers go look at that and go, well, I'm coming through in the end of June. So as long as it's open for these two weeks, <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> um, and, you know, the word I really want to get out to loopers, because I think it's a little bit less apparent when you have a shorter usage like that, is that those marinas you're tying up at, those places you're taking on fuel, those towns, those restaurants, those places to shop, none of that would be open in a substantially shorter seasons. So even if you're a looper and you're only coming right. through for a couple of weeks in June and July, the marinas can't exist on that kind of a shortened season. So if you want to have resources on your way through to make it a safe and comfortable, um, you know, almost autopilot type trip that Scott, that you've been talking about, no stress, those businesses <laughs> need a long season to be able yes, they to, do. to remain vibrant. So, um, and I also think you starting that had a, some foresight because Subsequent to that, <laughs> um, a, a bill that most of us viewed as pretty unfriendly to the canal was added to kind of an abbreviated 30-day budget bill um, submitted by Governor Cuomo. Um, I want to dive into that because that is kind of the current issue. Uh, let's take a quick break, though, and play a message from one of our sponsors, and we'll, we'll dig into that current topic when we come back. Curtis Stokes & Associates is a yacht brokerage company that specializes in Great Loop-capable boats. Curtis Stokes is a supporter of AGLCA at the Admiral level. If you're looking to buy or sell a Great Loop veteran from a trusted and knowledgeable broker, visit the company on the web at curtisstokes.net, email curtis at curtisstokes.net, or call 855-266-5676. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Scott Croft with Boat US and Peter Wiles, who is a lifelong boater, business owner, and advocate of the Erie Canal. And we're talking today about some of the threats, essentially, that exist to the New York State Canal System. And one of those is a very recent budget amendment that was submitted by Governor Cuomo in New York as part of his 30-day budget process, which is different than a normal bill process. So I had a lot of um, needed to educate myself a lot on this process when this first came out. Um, 
but Scott, if you could tell us what's in the bill and you know why that is objectionable to so many voters. Sure. Well, notorious, New York is notorious for, for, for doing deals in back rooms when it comes to legislation. It, it just always is. But our folks at NIPA really said three things what this Revitalization Act would do. It's, it would establish a trust to support revitaliz revitalization efforts, funding, uh, you know, a fundraising function. Uh, number two, it would enhance the, the NIPA's authority to support that revitalization, give them more power, if you will. And number three, it would phase out the Canalway Recreation Commission, commission of which we, I briefly re spoke about a second ago. Stop there for a moment. And I just want to say the ability to fundraise and establish a trust, I think we need to talk about. I think it's very important. Some of the projects that NIPA is holding up as exemplary, uh, like the High Line or Central Park Conservancy, where these trusts actually do a lot of good work. You know, let's have that conversation. But the way this bill was released in this budget process does not allow for any public comment. And, 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 and the way I believe NIPA has handled it is they really didn't go out and seek comment either. Um, that's the problem. Uh, they also say what the bill would not do is they wouldn't change their statutory responsibility. So they would still, Canal, Canal Corporation and its parent NIPA would still have to do all the things to maintain and, and be responsible for the operation. Um, they said it would not change any of those responsibilities or shift them to the trust um, and it's, they also say it would not change any legal requirements. So if you have to do an environmental review for a project or a legal or a permit or something like that, they're saying those, those structures remain in place and that's fine. You know, this could, a trust could do some really good things for loopers, recreational boaters and everybody else. But to put it through through this process without, you know, having a transparent discussion about what it could potentially be and where the choke points are or what are the good things are, that's the problem. That's the biggest problem. Um, you know, it's not, trusts aren't new. They're public benefit corporations. You know, the, it's not a foreign concept, but going back to what I said earlier, there's a level of trust that we, we don't, we're, we're worried about, you know. Again, um, the funny thing was is, is NIPA had a conversation uh, at, a, at an Erie Canalway board meeting about three weeks before this, before this legislation popped up. They could, have, they could have shared this. I mean, they've had ample opportunity to say, look, we think we need to fundraise in a new way, but they didn't. So, so let's come to the table, get rid of this for now. It's not appropriate to shove through and let's come to the table this year, next year, let's talk about revitalization and recreational boating. And maybe a trust has some good benefits for New Yorkers and boaters. It could, I, you know, but and the way the bill, the bill was so, you know, there's hardly any language in it. It was almost laughable and it's, and Peter and I trying to interpret stuff out of it. It was, it was so minimal. It just threw open a whole bunch of unanswered questions. Yeah. And I so appreciate, I go ahead, Peter, jump in. Yeah. I, 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 I know that Scott has said that they say one thing and do another, and that doesn't really mean anything. A lot of people do, but I'd like to give you some some for instances um, in the current structure, the, the CRC is made up of a number of agencies and a number of individuals. When you look at the legislation and you look at who is going to be on the trust, the revitalization trust, the state agencies are the power authority, economic development and environmental conservation. Well, you know, nothing to say bad about those entities, but let me tell you who's missing. The Department of Transportation, which is on the CRC, and gee whiz, a waterway involved in transportation. Why would you want their opinion? Uh, the Department of Parks, Recreation, Historic Preservation, which administers our, our boating safety uh, and basically is the agency that deals with recreational boating. Eh, they don't have a seat at the table. So it's it's not that they're lying when they say one thing and not the and do another, but if they say they want to revitalize, they say they want to improve, then why are you eliminating the people who clearly have an input for that? They talk about the well, we've reached out, we've had uh, we've had a. Uh, sessions where we've invited people. Well, I went to 
two of the reimagining sessions. And yes, there were a lot of people there, hundreds of people there. I was presented with a questionnaire. One of the questions on it, as I was sitting in the at the business table, was simply, what's your favorite business in the Mohawk Valley? Pardon me? That's 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 a user survey. That's a customer appreciation survey. That is an economic development. I, I did answer it that Russo's at Amsterdam was my favorite business. They've got wonderful pizza, but that has nothing to do with reimagining the canal. So that's the kind of thing where that where you where they say one thing and do another. And a, a shocking example of that is that at one of the sessions, the the presenter tried to clarify that as somebody brought up the point about the Great Loopers, that no, 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 the Great Loop is actually going up the East Coast, uh, going up the St. Lawrence River into the Great Lakes down the Mississippi. I mean, they, they, they said the words, New York State has nothing to do with the Great Loop. Yeah, shocking. How, Very misinformed. How do you respond to that? <laughs> right. Um, and I do want to talk, um, Peter, a little bit more about the Canal Way Recreation, sorry, the Canal Recreation Way Commission, which is the CRC, um, because I think that's one of the things that a lot of local boaters and stakeholders there in New York found most objectionable about the bill. Uh, you know, I agree with Scott. There are some promising things in the bill. The way it came about is, is a little the optics on that are that it's a bit underhanded um, since it doesn't have the normal comment process. But one thing that really could be a detriment is the elimination of the CRC. So talk a little bit about what the CRC does and why it's been dormant under NIPA. The CRC was uh, created during the 1992 legislation when the canal went to the throughway. And as it's presented in the current law, it is an advisory body that is required to in advance of these changes that we've been talking about, things that have involved economic development. Uh, they were responsible for creating a, a recreation way plan. And quite frankly, a plan is something that is completely left out of the discussion in the new new legislation that it briefly refers to it that if they want to they can consider it but there is no obligation to do a plan at all and there are no guidelines to there, there is no guidance at all for what they do it's simply going to be up to whatever NIPA decides to do they'll have the authority to do and I wouldn't necessarily say that that is going to lead to bad things but it gives them no responsibility in advance, uh, even the trust, the, the recreation or revitalization trust doesn't review what they're going to do in advance. The legislation simply says that they have to tell the trust within 60 days after they do something what they did. So it, it's, it, it is, it's frightening on one hand, and at the same time, you wonder why, because you, you can't tell the motivation. Is it that they don't understand? Are they, are they such a large bureaucracy? Uh, you know, they're essentially a, a huge infrastructure utility entity. They, they don't deal with individual people. They deal with large projects, um, big agencies, big responsibility for infrastructure that they want to keep brand new. And clearly the canal is about the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a it's hundred years old. The, the new part is a hundred years old. It deals with hundreds of communities. It deals with millions of people and thousands of businesses. And that's very complicated. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, it, it just, it kind of smacks of additional lack of transparency when that has been a criticism of NIPA for quite some time now related to the canal. So I think that's what was you know, very disappointing for many. Another thing that I found disappointing, and for our listeners who have not had the pleasure of reading legislation or proposed legislation, <laughs> they typically fun. start out with, you know, I'll call it stage setting that, you know, says kind of why this is important. And it was really disconcerting reading that portion of this bill um, 
because it was, it talked all about, um, whereas nobody, you know, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but whereas nobody uses this thing anymore anyway, and whereas it's old and outdated, um, what both Scott and, and Peter, what were your thoughts when you kind of read that introductory section of the bill? Well, when I started reading it, I got that far and had to stop and walk away because I had intended to sit down and read the however in 21 pages and have some thoughts and quite frankly that was so disturbing I couldn't but at the same time it meant it it drove me to say you've got to go through this line by line when you when you start off with that kind of an introduction things (laughs) things aren't gonna go well and the more I read the more the more the more I didn't trust what their intention was and the more I wanted to know what their intention is and there is no one to ask there no one has even admitted that they wrote it (laughs) I've been to a number of sessions uh they'll have counsel associate counsel and everybody says well I imagine they wanted this and well it's my understanding well somebody wrote it. It didn't drop from the sky and end up (laughs) in front of the legislature. Somebody wrote it. Somebody had an intention. Why don't they, why don't they defend it and, and ask for input? And clearly they don't want to. Why would you put it in a 30 day budget amendment if you wanted it to be reviewed? And that's the part that on one hand, you go, wow, they have done so much good. And I mean, NIPA has done so much good for the canal. And at the other hand, I'm saying, how can anybody support this kind of legislation that will do so much harm to the canal? It, it reminds me of a Highlights magazine, a children's magazine that I read 40, 50 some years ago. I remember Highlights. It, <laughs> all right. Goofus and Gallant. Goofus does this. Gallant does this. Yep. But Nipa is Goofus and Gallant both. It's like they've got a split personality. Uh, it's just frustrating. You yeah. know what, Kim? You hit it the nail on the head. The thinking is the number one thought we that we're seeing at least is it is no longer a commercial waterway, therefore it needs to be changed. We can have arguments all day long on the viability of of being a commercial waterway. I would dare say if we can ever get the numbers from the Canal Corp, it would point to a a slight uptick in some of those tonnage figures lately. But but I have a problem with that. It it completely ignores what its repurpose has turned into. And it's turned into a wonderful tourism draw. It's turned into an economic development engine. It's turned into this little thing that's chugging along all across New York State, impacting lives. You know, in the summertime, it's the canal front, the lock where the communities go to celebrate their Saturday uh, picnic and, and band funk, you know, the, the events of their towns. I mean, this canal is in the DNA of every one of those towns. And you're saying because we no longer operate like we did in 1910 that we need to change it and we need to minimize boating. And my, again, my words, uh, I just don't get that thinking. It's, it's, it's sad. Um, I, I hope. I really want to educate them and help them understand that they're they're giving the canal a short shrift. Yeah, and, and that was really well said, Scott, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't want to ignore, though, that, and, and it, this may be part of where, you know, the, the comments about there being no commercial traffic come from. I don't want to ignore that there is somewhat of a fiscal problem here, right? If you listen to the numbers that are put forth on what it costs to maintain the canal, what it costs to run it, versus what income it brings. Now, I don't think most of those economic studies consider the economic impact for the towns and businesses along the way. I think they're looking specifically at the NIPA budgeting figures. But that said, there is, you know, there is a disparity there. Um, yes. And one of the things the bill would allow for, and we would support uh, most likely, depending you know, if it went through a normal bill approval process and there was an opportunity for comment, um, is the idea of public-private partnerships. So um, for for either one of you or both of you, what's your perspective on that being a way to help push the canal forward and and keep it, 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 you know, thriving for the long term? You know, go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Scott. Well, I was just going to say, you know, (laughs) public-private partnerships can be valuable. Um, They can bring in revenue where sources don't exist. Um, As long as they're transparent public-private partnerships and 
where um, voices are not diminished, it, it, they're inclusive. I think that's the better public-private model. Um, I am concerned sometimes that when, you know, for instance, um, in this legislation, I believe um, it had some, 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 some language about bondholders um, having some type, and Peter, you can correct me, acknowledgement or input, or maybe it's just a, a sign off on, on any potential money that they raise. So, you know, who would that be? Who would have that kind of control and power to hold those purse strings? And, and, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, I do think though that we should talk about it. We should talk about tolls. We should, you know, the canal is never going to, we all recognize the canal is never going to pay for itself with recreational boat tolls. I think it's, I think it's $2 million, Peter, or so they, they generate, but, but we got to understand this is like, this is in one respect, perhaps like the High Line in New York City, where you don't pay an entry. They, you know, if you go to the High Line in New York, which was a former rail, elevated rail bed that's now completely changed the dynamic of lower Manhattan, land values have gone up, revitalization has occurred. That project, you don't, you don't pay money to even walk on the, you know, the government recognizes it's a public benefit and it brings in economic development through all these other ways, but direct, no. And in fact, they actually have a trust. That's what I was talking about earlier. Maybe we should see some benefits of the trust. It's the trust that pays for it. So, so I, I am concerned about transparency when it, when it potentially would come to that kind of uh, arrangement. Uh -huh. And as far as the, the, the public benefit, there's no question about it. And any, any way, any time you can get a group of people like-minded that want to support an entity like the canal, and they can figure out how to pool resources, get additional resources, and then spend them in accordance with somebody's plan that isn't necessarily NIPA's, I'm all for it. Um, but the problem with the current financial, financial calculation is NIPA writes all the checks, so it's very easy for them to add up all their expenses. They only have two or three income columns. And one of them is tolls, passes, permits, whatever you want to call it for the, the boaters and recreational commercial boaters. Another one is permits. There's a trickling of money that comes in for people that get some water out of the canal and that type of thing. But those are the only columns they have. Uh, they don't have a column for the benefit that the state gets for the sales tax of all the the businesses up and down the canal that depend on it. They don't have a column for any other income that the canal system and its associated trails and everything else generate, but nobody counts it. Now I'll give you a, an, ex, an, excuse me, an example. Today, I was talking to a gentleman that's going to move somebody's boathouse from Cayuga Lake to Oneida Lake. It's 12 feet wide, and it's currently located at the end of a single lane, three mile long driveway. And for him to take it apart, put it in a truck, move it to Oneida Lake and reassemble it would be about three days work. He's going to put it on a pontoon boat and drag it by water and have a wonderful day exploring the canal in the process. You, there is no column to count that type of benefit. And if all they talk about are the dollars they spend and they ignore or, or don't know about the other benefits, you'll never get the equation in balance. Yeah, and thank you. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, a couple of points I want to make sure are clear to loopers before we start to wrap up. You know, one is we have focused today's conversation largely on the Erie Canal but this affects the entire New York State Canal system. So for loopers um, who may be thinking, well, if I can't go through the Erie, I'll just take the Champlain Canal. No, you won't. If the, you know, if the, <laughs> if the New York State Canal system is not open for through navigation, that route becomes impossible too, which leaves the only way to get from you know, the East Coast into the Great Lakes is through the St. Lawrence Seaway. Most looper boats might be capable of doing that, but it's gonna take a lot longer than one season to do that, get all the way through the Great Lakes and out into the inland rivers. So, um, you know, I really was not exaggerating much when I said the loop does not exist without the New York State Canal. So this is important stuff for loopers. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, 
So we talked about this bill. We're currently waiting for it to move forward or not move forward as part of the 30-day budget process. Um, we've been putting out to our members to, you know, please send some emails and uh, to the New York State legislators who have the power here. Um, and our ask basically is simply something this important should not be in this abbreviated 30-day process. Um, where does that stand today, Scott? Any, anything you can suggest? I know there's been some newspaper accounts, um, of, and we're seeing more legislators supportive of our position. So uh, what's your thought on where we stand? You know, while it's encouraging news, I'm waiting till April, April 1st and when the budget process ends, because really, as I said before, New York is sort of an odd state. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but, you know, sometimes things oh, yeah. are not done in, in an above uh, transparent, above ground transparent, fa you know, fashion. Mm -hmm. So while uh, there's now been, it uh, seems like a groundswell of legislators, assembly senators along the canal that are tuned in to what's going on and they don't like what they see. I, I, I just want to, I'd be cautious and let's just wait a few more weeks, a couple more weeks and make sure that it was indeed you know, just simply dropped from from this particular budget cycle. But again, you know, this opens up. Let's then let's have this conversation. Let's 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 hear them out and understand their needs and let them understand our needs. Because as I said, this working group, put, you know, the light bulb went off in my head that they just they just weren't listening or weren't hearing this kind of discussion about how it's their decision making is hurting some people and hurting voters. So. I, I'm, I am hopeful. I like, to, I like to say I'm optimistic. But again, uh, April 1st, we'll see. And Scott, would you say it's still helpful if voters who are listening to this and learning about this for the first time, is, is emailing still a useful endeavor or is it too late C in the process? Certainly, certainly. Um, I can uh, share a, uh, we had a link. Uh, the, the challenge here is for Boat US. Uh, New York, uh, if you live in New York, there's one way to one way to respond. I would say at this point, you know, um, even though it's not uh, technically at this point, it's not a it's not a federal issue. Senator Schumer of New York, I heard, is very keen on the canal and supporting the canal. If you do have a particular, I would suggest remember the last place you had a really good time in the canal and look up and find that legislator and tell them a story say, I came to your town and I had a great time. Oh, and by the way, I spent a few hundred bucks as well. What's this understanding of, of this revitalization act? Is it true? Um, just again, you know, raising awareness. I think that may be effective. Peter, do you have any? Yeah, uh, certainly anything that can still be done as far as contacting anybody, as far as expressing your appreciation for the canal. I realize it's it's a relatively short segment of the loop. And I and I'd like to say that what has occurred so far, what what interaction uh, the looper group has already uh, had with legislators has made a difference. Uh, in one conversation that I uh, heard, uh, one of the legislators said, I, I don't know where all these comments are coming from, but it's way outside of my district. And it's it's loopers. I You see the, the communication and interest on the forum. And I appreciate that. I, I really do, both as a looper and somebody fighting for the canal system. And I, I, I just hope that the interest level that has been raised gets channeled into making the whole canal better. It's not just we're out to destroy NIPA, we're out to protect our own, our own interests as individuals, our own interest as business people, communities, and everything else. And for the first time in a while, this this issue has brought all of us together. And I think having been brought together, we need to maintain that, that, that strength and make sure that going forward, it's, it's, it's kept front of mind. It doesn't just pop up whenever there's a, a catastrophe or an existential threat that we recognize this as an asset and it's our responsibility to, to keep addressing it ongoing. And the Erie Canal really should be one of the crown jewels of the Great Loop. So we're hoping it can get back to that point. Um, for those of you who are members, there has been a lot of discussion on this in the forum. If you're not a member, we've put some information for you in our blog area. And if you just go to the greatloop.org website and look in the latest news, 
you'll find links to this, which also includes links to the Vote US tool that you can use to contact your legislator if you're a New York resident, and also an email list of um, the assembly members in New York State. Um, it does make a difference. The Buff and, you know, as Peter just said, the Buffalo newspaper, there was a quote in there this weekend when they were talking to some of the assembly members who um, said, I'm getting emails from all across the country and I never knew there was this much interest. Um, Thank you, Loopers. That's great. And it, it's Loopers <laughs> and it's other associations, but um, it is a national issue, honestly. It's not a New York issue, um, but New York is, is holding the power in this circumstance. And, um, you know, our hope is just that the... the this doesn't end if we are successful in, in not having this included in the 30-day budget, because as Scott said, the conversations still need to be had. We're just looking for an open channel of that communication. So, Peter, any final comments? I'll let you close it out for us. If there's, as a lifelong voter on the canal, anything you'd like to add to the discussion that I didn't ask about? I, I really don't have very much to add. Uh, I just want to reiterate that while we're having these discussions and while they are very concerning, that we do need to appreciate not only what NIPA has done, but the, the, the people along the canal system that operate the locks, that do the maintenance, the ones that, that loopers come in contact with, it is nothing, it's way out of their control. Don't get upset with anybody that you encounter on the canal. Um, we just need to, we just need to convince NIPA about what our, our needs and interests are. Yep. And it can be done. I'm confident, hopeful. <laughs> um, Scott and Peter, great knowledge, a very complicated subject, honestly, but you helped to break it down so that even those who have not been involved in this for a long time can understand what's happening. So Appreciate both of you and thank you for your time. Thank, thank you. you, Kim. And to our listeners and watchers, thank you for joining us once again on Great Loop Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe cruising. Mm -hmm.